0: Welcome to Growing Up 80s, February 2021. It is still February, isn't it, Robin? A podcast where two friends talk about the things we loved as kids growing up in the 80s and that we still enjoy today. This time we're talking about board games. Board games. Mom, (laughs) mom, I'm bored. Then play a board game. Yeah. Very musical. Well, yeah, it was a little bit musical. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. It seems kind of like a, a quiet, quiet night in Thunder Bay. It does feel I'm feeling quiet. a little quiet and you're seeming a little quiet.
1: Yeah, we're, we might be a little bit low energy. We're in yet another lockdown and
0: it's a little weird. It is. And it's a beautiful day outside. Oh, I should have gone out there. Oh, it's like spring is coming and things are melting and there's puddles everywhere so watch where you're stepping yeah
1: does it smell like wet dog everywhere not yet okay
0: yes it's it's not enough of the snow has melted to expose wet dog smell <laughs> <laughs> at this time of year when my
1: kids go outside and run around yeah then they come in and I go you smell like wet dog and it's just it just gets all over it <laughs> <laughs> the smell. I don't see oh. any, I don't see any actual wet dog and, and I'm not only talking about poo smell here. I should clarify. Okay. Yeah. You know, like when you actually take a wet dog, like a dog and wet them.
0: <laughs> I wet my dog. But
1: hey, I wet my dog and now he smells. <laughs> do you do you know that wet dog smell? Oh yes,
0: I'm familiar with the wet dog smell. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So
1: yeah so I don't just mean poo. there's probably like an element yeah,
0: it's just that it smells like a dog that's been wet yeah and it's not as wet as it has been before yeah, but something about that wetness is making it smelly, yeah, particularly smelly, yeah, yeah no no wet dog smells today <laughs> just some nice sunshine melting temperatures you know this is not something that I remember. March being like when I was a kid, I remember March break yeah. and it's like 12 foot snowbanks and blizzards and March break, you're going to play in the snow, man, because it's snowing out. Oh, okay. I remember it being
1: kind of 50, 50 for March break. And mm. by, by March break, that's what we here in Ontario call our spring break from school or whatever. Right. I think that it gets called other things, other places.
0: Yeah. because. Oftentimes, in at least in Thunder Bay, it, it might technically be spring, yeah, spring break, but that's just called March break yeah. because we got twelve foot snowbanks.
1: Yeah, I remember sometimes thinking, "Hey, I can get on my bike and ride it around and stuff," but not certain. Yeah, but, but not most of the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I have memories of riding my bike to my grandma's house on March break too. Yeah, so yeah, it has happened. But anyway, it's a beautiful March. And the children are on an extended March break. Yes. School from home. Today, we're talking about board games. <laughs> yeah, back to and the topic. You, and you know what? What? Played some board games with the boys this week. Did you? What did you play? Well, they were, we played uh, some Queen Domino. Oh. Have you played that one yet? No. It's kind of like a, a tile-matching, um, kingdom-building type game. Um, it's, it's pretty... I wouldn't say it's low on the thinking scale, but it doesn't, it doesn't require a lot of thinking if you're not into thinking, but if you want to think about it, you can, you can use your brain and have some fun and you can build your little, um, five by five kingdom and have some fun with that. Yeah. It's cool.
1: This sounds like one of those modern board games,
0: Darren. It is one of these modern board Did games. Did it come from Germany? Um, this one may not have actually come from Germany. I'm not certain, but yes, those modern German board games. It, we, we're living in what do we call this? A A C after Catan. Yes. In the yes. <laughs> <laughs> Things changed in the mid to late '90s.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you suddenly really got into board games. I remember that mm-hmm. you you'd take off, you go move to Minneapolis or Ottawa or whatever, and then you'd come back to Thunder Bay and you'd be all the pawns about the board, the board games. games.
0: Yeah, and I'd be like, I, oh, I remember going down to to Minneapolis when I went down to school there. I had Catan, and this was like in 97, so I had an American, I had the, the Mayfair version of Catan, not the, oh, who published it in Germany, I don't remember. But our friend had an actual German version of it, mm. our friend Kevin had the German version of Catan from like 95 or 96, because he was in Germany and brought it back, and that's what we learned to play on then we were playing in Minneapolis. And then I remember playing Carcassonne, which was also an early popular German board game. I picked that up when I was in Germany, probably in, I think that was 2000 that I was there with my friend Tom. And so, yeah, I was into the German, the European board games.
1: Yeah. And that was a real revolution, but that's not what we're talking about today. No, we're talking about the...
0: <laughs> Before Catan,
1: yeah, the before, BC, the BC games, yeah, that we had when we were kids, that in hindsight probably weren't overall as good, yeah, as what's that's right as as what's around today,
0: yeah. There's been a fundamental shift in in the thinking of what makes a good board game in the last 20 or so years and the idea that you know you don't want to eliminate players from the game before the end so that there's you know you're whittling away the competition you know let's Let's let everybody play the game until the game is over. That's, that's a nice way to play what the game. An idea.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And, you know, let's not, let's not roll the dice and just move our characters around a board based on the roll of a dice. Let's, let's add an element of, of our own decision-making into the game so that it's not just random chance that's telling us when to climb a ladder and slide down a snake and, right. hey, you won, you lost. What a fun game. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Even though here we are talking down about these games from then. We played these kind of we games. We played them and some yeah. and some of them were I think legitimately fun at the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they were still part of our learning process. Yep. So I think they're worth taking a look at. Yeah,
0: yeah. So we've each picked what, maybe three or four different games to take a look at and maybe we'll talk about some things in general as well.
1: Yeah, so I thought we'd open up talking about our very first board game memories, mm-hmm. and we might occasionally get away from strictly board games and sure. talk about other games that are adjacent to board games, like maybe paper mm-hmm. games or whatever yep. we, we want to call them. But that's okay. I think our listeners oh, will yeah. forgive us. I think so. What can you think of? Name name the first game you can think of.
0: The first game that I can think of that... that... Okay, and I know we're going to talk about games that we might play on paper, but the first game that I can think of ha- like having the game and playing the game is probably something like old maid and having like my own deck of specific Old Maid cards, and maybe playing that at my grandparents' house or something like that.
1: Okay, yeah. So, Old Maid
0: can it be played with just a regular deck of cards? I believe so. Yeah. I have not played Old Maid <laughs> yeah. in such a long time, <laughs> but I imagine games like even like Uno and Crazy Eights. They they're all they're they're similar. They're very. They may not be exactly the same game, but they're very similar. And I think Old Maid is probably very similar to it's probably belongs to a family of card games that are all relatively similar and could all be played with a standard deck and maybe just thrown a joker or something that would become the old maid. Yeah, that's right. So games
1: like Uno and, uh, what, War, and I'm trying to think of some of the other, yeah, like Uno had its own deck, obviously. And that was the kind of thing that was appealing to me, the pattern matching Mm -hmm. and... And a bit of strategy while you're trying to figure out what you should hold back and what you should play. And then there's that, you know, the whole world of kind of gambling games that are are related to, yeah. but I I guess those felt like, ooh, blackjack, that's like, that's grown up or something, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I don't know.
0: Well, you know, what was really interesting is in the summertime, I would often spend a week or two out at my grandparents' camp on Lake Superior. Do we need to explain what a camp is every time we say the word camp? Right.
1: We camp. mean like a cottage.
0: Yes. Or a cabin at the lake or something like that. Yeah. It's not all fancy and snooty. We just call it going to the camp. Yeah. Or going to camp. Yeah. Even though it is, so, a,
1: bu- it is a building that somebody yep. owns.
0: Yep. Yeah. And there's like a bathroom inside of it. And, or at least in, in grandma and grandpa's camp, there's a bathroom inside. And, you know, it was, it was just like cottage on the lake. Yeah. Anyway. So I'd be out at grandma and grandpa's camp for you know, a week or so at a time during the summer. And, uh, they had, they, I think they had a pretty nice setup out there. Cause they had a few friends who were on the lake, just down the beach one way or the other. And it seemed like every couple nights, not maybe not every night, but at least a few times a week, a whole bunch of folks would gather over at grandma and grandpa's camp and they would play Ramoli and I would get to play Ramoli with them. And Ramoli is kind of like, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's kind of like poker, but it's easy betting poker, and everybody's going to win <laughs> something every is, round.
1: Is that the one with the great big board where yeah. it has all kinds of different combinations exactly. of things yeah, you there's, could vote on? There was like, yeah. Vote like, on,
0: <laughs> bet on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think there's like nine different poker hands and stuff like that put around a board. Like there's like eight around the outside and one in the middle. And the beginning of every round that you'd play, everybody would have to ante up. So they'd put their penny or their nickel in uh, each of the, each of the little areas. And then you'd play the game and yeah, you'd have the freedom of collecting whatever kind of hand you wanted. And then you'd, you'd throw your hand into that particular area. And if you say you were going to go, oh, I'm going to go with the, with three of the kinds or something like that, you could put your hand down in the three of the kinds area. And if nobody else put their hand down there, well, then you just got the pot from the three of the kind. But if two people put it down or whatever, you'd, you'd still kind of see who had the best hand in that area. So it's kind of like a, a nice easy way. Everybody feels like they're winning something <laughs> just about every round and stuff like that. And even like a little kid could yeah. sit in with that, with a hand or two. And you know, I, 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 Cost me twenty cents to play two rounds of Ramoli tonight, but that's okay. Well, so and
1: you guys were playing real money, eh? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Darren's wondering, can I admit this? <laughs> yeah, has it been enough I years? Think the statute
0: of limitations has expired on that. Yes, there is some real gambling going on. Wow, down at Clover Beach. Yeah, so I'd play that with my grandma and grandpa and my great aunts and their friends. They would all come over and. I I get to play a couple of rounds of Ramoli and that was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I think the first game I remember is uh is playing probably tic-tac-toe. Yeah. On on paper, you know. Yeah, speaking uh, of those
0: paper games. Yeah,
1: although of course there would be these formalized versions of it that would have the X and O's in a box. Yes, with, that's right. With the board which you know is yeah. just the the it's like four lines. Uh, it's a hashtag. It's a
0: hash, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag tic-tac-toe. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I remember playing that, and that was interesting because at first it did seem like a real challenge trying to mm. beat somebody. Oh, this is a serious game. Yeah. And then comes the realization that, oh, if you get to go first, you can control this part of the game. Or if yeah. if you go second, you know, basically you could always repeat the same Yeah. The game would play out the same as long as, as long as at least one player knew what they were doing. So then you realize that's kind of dumb. And then even more dumb, I think this is the stupidest game around is Snakes and Ladders. Oh yeah. Right. Because like you're saying about, you just roll the dice and then you move. We always played so that you could choose to take the ladder or not. Yeah. We don't know why. Like, why would you ever not choose to? Sure. But it felt like we have to have some I have a choice. little bit of agency in this. T- yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise this is just the stupidest thing where you're rolling these dice or, or one die and yeah. you're just automatons. Like you have, the, yeah, you there isn't a single choice to be made. 100% mm. random yep. outcome. Yeah. And so I thought this is really dumb. Why I didn't really, it took me a little while to realize that, but then I realized, yeah, this is really stupid. Yep. So yeah, those are kind of my very first game memories. I don't know. Do you have any other ones? Uh,
0: You know, I don't think that I played a whole lot of those things. I don't, I don't, I don't remember them really capturing my interest that much. Yeah. I think I, I got a little bit older and I had some branded games and yeah, for me, board games and stuff seemed to be a camp thing, um, either at my grandparents' camp or my parents' and like our family camp as yeah. well. I played a bunch of board games um, out there as well.
1: Yeah, and there was that time where TV, you know, now camps have just, they'll have internet access and, sure. of course, TV. Uh, but there was a time where a lot of people wouldn't have there wouldn't be all that much other entertainment out at camp, That's right? right? So if it's, yeah. if it's a like, rainy day, then
0: you had the radio. You might have the radio. Yeah, yeah. You could listen to campers' calls if you needed <laughs> to get a message from the city broadcast out to you because maybe you didn't have a telephone out at camp. Yeah, that was right. Yeah, we we should explain that. That was a neat little thing, yeah. right? You, so I imagine they they did this all over the place. But yeah, for folks who didn't have telephones and you're out at camp all week or on the weekend, how do you find out about what's going on in town? Or what if uh, what if Uncle Joe's going to come out to camp and uh, he wanted to let you know ahead of time so that you could, I don't know, make the spare bedroom up for him or something <laughs> like that? Well, he'd phone into the radio station and leave a message with campers calls. And then, you know, every day after the, the lunchtime... Uh, news or after the five o'clock news on the radio you'd tune in and you'd listen to campers calls and you would hear everybody who had their messages that needed to be sent out to the people who didn't have telephones out at camp yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. basically it was like a private mess where the the radio (laughs) the radio disc jockey is reading your your texts essentially in the in the past right yeah Uh, out in public and you're, you're listening yeah. on the radio. I wonder if we're going yeah, to listen
0: in. Yeah. Everybody listens. Oh, and it was exciting when you would like get a camper's call. It's like, oh yeah, somebody cares enough to send me a message on camper's calls. <laughs> Otherwise. Yeah. You were kind of talking about, you know, it's a rainy day. What else are you going to do? Cause you don't have, you know, internet out there. Maybe you don't have television. Yeah. You're listening to the radio, but. Uh, you've read all the books that are out there. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Play some board games, play some cards or something like that. Yeah. Go fishing in the rain. Yeah. I've had enough of that for today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can only spend so many hours doing that.
0: Yeah. And I think we started touching on this.
1: So after we left behind some of those very kid oriented mm. games, I remember being aware of other games that seemed really adult. Like it's like, oh, big people play those Mm-hmm. And I don't know, not, not that they were like, I'm not talking about strip, strip poker <laughs> here or anything. I'm talking yeah. about, they just seemed complicated or they seemed yes. to involve maybe gambling or they involved something anyway, in some Very way.
0: strategic thinking perhaps yeah. that was maybe beyond.
1: Yeah. So the first one I can remember is backgammon and I don't know why it oh, seemed yeah. scary to me, but it was yeah. something about it being backgammon would be in this kind of like small briefcase almost. Yeah, that's right. Like leather clad case that you open up and then it would have. And
0: and that kind of lends itself to the whole gambling thing. It's like, Ooh, high class, you know, it kind of feels like something special like that, or maybe something more grown up because it's, it's a high quality, piece of kit you've got going on there.
1: Yeah. I guess people would spend like a, you know, I don't know if hundreds of dollars, but like a hundred, it'd be an expensive thing. It wouldn't be just this cardboard game, right? It'd be real polished wood or even, or whatever. And then the leather and all, uh, all this. So yeah, backgammon really stood out. I still don't really know how to play backgammon.
0: I got into backgammon a little bit, uh, I think in university. But yeah, I haven't played it for years. And the thing with backgammon, like I know what you're talking about as a kid, that's like, that's an, an intimidating kind of thing because it's a very abstract game. You know, with snakes and ladders, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm moving around this board and there's cartoon snakes and cartoon ladders. And I've got this little guy that represents me as a man walking down this path or whatever. Right. Yeah. But backgammon, it's just these triangles and discs and... What does what does it even mean? Yeah, <laughs> well, it doesn't mean anything, kid. It's a game. <laughs> yeah,
1: that one really stands out as being just kind of. I don't know if "scary" is quite the right word, but I group it in somehow the same way. I think we talked about how, like Doctor Who on TV when I was mm-hmm. a kid, just seemed like, oh, that's scary.
0: You know who? Yeah, who's watching? Oh i I got scared at Doctor Who Doctor who made me cry when I was a kid, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure,
1: <laughs> so somehow I grouped backgammon in with dr Doctor, <laughs> Doctor who it doesn't really seem logical, but it that that's the connection to me, and then another kind of scary thing I remember go my grandparents mm-hmm. and my uncles still lived at home because they were mm-hmm. only about 10 years older than me. So maybe I'd be, okay. maybe I'd be eight and they'd be yeah. eight, 18 or something. Sure. Still at home, starting college or whatever. And I remember going in to uncle Mike's room. I don't know if I was invited in there, or if I just like peeked in there and all over his floor and up on his, on the bed and up on the bookcase and everything were all these tiny little figures. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like soldiers and I guess little tanks or whatever. And I did and, and flags and all these kind of colored, yeah, all these colored pieces, small pieces of paper spread out and I didn't understand it. And I don't, I think one of my uncles, or maybe my grandma said, don't touch, or, you know, saw that mm-hmm. I was going there, don't, don't touch anything. I was like, okay, okay. But it was fascinating to see this, what I eventually figured out was a war game Mm
0: -hmm. going
1: on across the whole room. Oh yeah. Presumably a a multi-day affair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't understand it then, but my uncles were like, I guess, war gamers, which was really a very nerdy pursuit, right? For the, here we are in like the late seventies probably. Yeah. uh, Or maybe very early eighties. So I also remember that. And so that was kind of intimidating in the way that there could be this game going on that involved many, you know, dozens of square feet or cube. It was even like multi-layer and hundreds of objects. Yeah. And here they are, I guess, taking turns doing this great big battle that could last, I don't know, days or weeks or something. Mm -hmm. Did my my uncle like just sleep on the floor because (laughs) there was this game going on that spread across his whole bed? Yeah, that, so that was my other distinct memory of kind of grown-up gaming. Yeah. Uh, if you had any others like
0: that. I don't have any memories like that, but one thing that I think we touched upon um on an earlier podcast, and I thought you were going to get into it, was like the branded board games that would, would sometimes come out. Now, we have like all sorts of branded Monopoly games these days, right? Yeah. For the past decades, we've had You know, every city has their own version of Monopoly and every television show has their version of Monopoly and everything like that. But um, we were talking about um, this Star Wars board game that (laughs) we had when we were kids. So this was probably, you know, late 70s. We were, I imagine that I would get board games given to me because they weren't things that I was asking for as a kid. So I was probably be given them as gifts for Christmas or my birthday or something like that. And so thought, oh, everybody likes Star Wars. Let's give Darren the Star Wars board game. It was a pretty chintzy affair, you know? Um, yeah. Thin cardboard pieces. Maybe you'd fold them in half and stick them in a little plastic thing to make them stand up, the little figures that you would have to move around the board. And it wasn't exciting like flying TIE fighters and X-wings around space to blow up Death Stars. It was more like just rolling dice and advancing you know your little characters <laughs> yeah. down the board type thing so i do have vague memories of of lame star wars and lame branded board games that were given to me when i was a a kid in probably the late 70s and early 80s as well yeah i can imagine seeing ones for
1: certain cartoons i liked or whatever mm-hmm, it is sure it is that star wars one that stands out as being particularly poor
0: yeah now, my friends had a copy of Operation
1: oh, when I was a kid, yeah.
0: and I never had Operation, but I thought Operation was so cool now it's not really a board game, but it was sold in like the same shape yeah. box that board games were sold in it was it was it was put in the catalog in the same pages that the board games were in but uh, that was so much fun, you know because there was like a battery involved and, and the the dude's nose would light up red if you, if you touched the little <laughs> tweezers against the metal yeah. edges of the holes in his body when you're trying to fish out the funny bone or the yeah. broken heart or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, that's right. It was presented as a board game and you were taking turns and yep. it sort of. Yeah, it was,
0: it was a game. Yep, And there's a
1: board. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it was a board game. <laughs> but I know what you mean that it's more of a very direct it's a skilled. skill. Although yeah. there was still like a spinner, right,
0: that was adding a- <laughs> what's happening to you? <laughs> I have a I have a, a pneumatic chair. Yeah. And I was trying to go up on it and I was going down, <laughs> down, down. <laughs> yeah, there's a little spinner in operation and you'd spin around and I think that's how, how you selected what bit you were pulling out of the guy's body <laughs> <laughs> what does it what does what kind of
1: surgery does this guy need well mm, spin it. Spin. spin oh let's take out his wishbone
0: yeah <laughs> spin oh there's a monkey wrench in there somewhere
1: so yeah it was more like uh a skills based game right which mm-hmm. well if a uh, uh, dexterity i guess is the word i'm looking mm-hmm. for like yeah that's right and then so i was thinking about uh some of the games we had but there was one other thing, one other general topic I want to talk about, sure, was chess, ooh
0: chess, which also the thinking man's game,
1: yeah, which was also like kind of like a grown ups game, but maybe a lot of schools had a chess club, yeah, and so there was usually at least one teacher who I guess really liked chess, mm-hmm. who would go about trying to you know organize it and get
0: the kids at school
1: playing it, yeah, and now
0: did you? Join I remember being in the I, chess club. I did not join the chess club. Um I remember being taught to play chess at school, and I would have thought that maybe that would have been part of the math curriculum or something, maybe even. Oh. I don't I don't know. Like where else would they teach you what subject could you shoehorn chess into? Chess club. I
1: don't yeah, know. but that's not
0: a subject <laughs> in school.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Do you think they taught us chess as part of
0: school? I think that, that, yeah, we learned how to play chess, or at least learned how to move the chess pieces around on a board (laughs) as part of some math exercises. Oh. I would
1: imagine. I thought you were going to say, well, I know I learned it at school. How else than I would
0: say chess club, but okay. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure I never went to chess club. At least not in elementary school. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't have a big interest in chess when I was in elementary school, but I kind of picked up a, a bit of an interest in it. I, I never really played it much or got very good at it Yeah, um,
1: yeah later I, on. I would play it, I guess, just because some of my friends were into it and mm-hmm. it seemed like something that nerdy kids should play. Yes. Intelligent people play chess. So I guess I should play chess. I was never particularly good at it, but I do remember, I think maybe for a year or two, I was okay at it. Uh, Maybe I I did well. I don't know what the youngest age was, but I do remember being sent to like a chess tournament. Oh yeah. So that's why I think the chess club, well, yeah, maybe a teacher said, we want our school to do good at the chess tournament. Sure. Therefore we're going to have to teach all the kids chess yeah, and then try to get many of them in a chess club so we can send the best to the tournament. Yeah. I don't know. So mm. I, I do remember going to the chess tournament and being paired up with a couple other nerds from other schools. And it, and mm-hmm. it seemed very, it seemed very serious. It's like, you got yeah. you got to beat this kid out. If it was, if we had t- a high pressure teacher that was yeah. putting it in my mind that, you, you know, we got to win. Go win. Yeah. This is important.
0: That's right. Sports. <laughs> Chess sports. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I, I don't remember how I did. I think I did poorly. And I I, I definitely remember uh, not doing well as I got older compared to like the kids who got really good at it. Mm-hmm. I had nothing on them.
0: Well, it seems like maybe we we have kind of bad mouthed a, a bunch of games that we didn't like <laughs> and stuff like that and talked talked about how 80s board games, or at least board games before the European board games made their way over here, were pretty lame. But we did, yeah, like you were saying, we did enjoy some games. So we've, both of us have our nice little, uh, our short list of games that, that we remember enjoying in the 80s. Shall we just kind of go back and forth through them? Would you like to start with with a game that you've, that you have fond memories of?
1: Yeah, okay. One, probably one of my very favorite from back then, I'll start with the best one maybe, is stratego or strate oh, yeah. or stratejo I think Yeah, it's st- stratego it, I I guess.
0: Sure. That sounds good cuz yeah, when you say stratego it's like that doesn't sound right. It's stratejo. It's definitely not stratejo. Yeah. It must be stratego. Stratego. Strat <laughs>
1: strategy. Strate- See, that's why st- strategy Yeah. I would want to say Stratego, Strate, no strategy. Stratego, right? You can call it Stratego. I don't really want to, but I'm just saying <laughs> it's closer to strategy. It is <laughs> okay. Stratego. Anyway, yes, yeah. So this was my kind of game because it was like a little bit like chess. Yep. But with the you, you got to set your own board. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it was neat that you could set traps against Mm -hmm. the other player. When you set your board, every piece looks the same to your opponent, but -hmm. on the backside, they have like special abilities or special
0: numbers. Yeah. They, they basically have a rank to them, right? Yeah. And just, it's. Because each of the pieces moves in the same way. They look the same way to your opponent and it's okay. When it comes to that confrontation bit, you reveal who it is. Yes. And okay. Who's ranked higher? Who wins this battle?
1: Yeah. And it felt a bit like you were making a map of your player's But that was, that had to be revealed. So it was like a little bit like Minesweeper that like coming up on the game. And it was also a little bit like the modern games where you are building a map, right? Where with tiles. Yeah. Uh, and so then it was like a little bit like Battleship, but it was being played out step by step on this battlefield. It it just Mm -hmm. had, uh, it had a lot going for it, especially for that era. Yeah, I was like, sure. this this is a cool game. So that is one I totally latched on to. My, my grandma had it uh, oh, yeah. at her house. I don't know how they, well, maybe it was because my uncle Ed and Mike mm-hmm. being being nerds that I didn't really realize it at the time. But anyway, yeah, I, I now have that copy here. Uh, oh, right that, on. Yeah, so it's a cool copy from the 60s. Uh, oh, yeah,
0: that, that's that,
1: great. That they had, yeah. So yeah, that's that might be... Unless I'm forgetting something, that, yeah. that might be my favorite for sure of that kind of strategy.
0: Yeah, element. Yeah, I I agree that there's a, strategio had a lot going for it in 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 that you could you could set up your army in a way that you thought was going to beat your opponent or that you would trick your opponent or surprise them by. Yeah, yeah, I've got all my weak guys over here. And, but over on this side, I've just got like this massive, like I've got like four or five really tough guys, and they're just going to bust through, and, <laughs> and I'm going to win the game with these guys or something like that. Or, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun building up your army on the board before you just kind of, in, in some ways, it was almost like a simulation, like a war game type simulation, yes. right? Because like pieces are there, and yeah, you, you choose which ones to move, but it kind of just simulates like, your forces just attacking across the field and your your opponents coming at you and let's see if we set things up the right way, the right way. Yeah. In a in a, in a way that's gonna beat my opponents. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. The it, reveal throughout the game is really neat. Yes. Yeah, and it had
1: that nice balance of it often seemed either games were too kind of simple and dumb
0: mm-hmm.
1: or the other games, like those war games my uncles were playing were just so complicated and slow yeah. and
0: overbearing yeah. and Stratego was right in that. Or there were so many choices to oh, make yeah. every turn. It's like, oh, well, you know, so you just pick a guy, he's going to go forward and we'll find out. Yeah. So I yeah. liked how Stratego had that kind of middle ground of being fairly streamlined mm-hmm. uh, and yet interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah. It had about the same amount of setup at the beginning as a game of Battleship would, would yeah. take. Maybe a little bit more, but yeah. Once the game got rolling, it 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 chugged along, and yeah, it was it was a fun game. I enjoyed that one. Your turn. Uh, one of my favorite little games that I would play with mom and dad when it was a rainy day out at camp. So this game is called Disaster, and it was made by Parker Brothers in 1979. And so I was probably I probably got this either for my birthday. Or for Christmas, like probably in 79. And so I was probably playing it like in like the summer of 1980 was probably the year that I was playing this the most out at camp. I'm going to read you the back of the box because the description of the game is just so awesome. (laughs) In Disaster, as you move around the colorful board, you cross four disaster areas. An earthquake zone, a plane crash, a building fire, and an ocean liner sinking. Roll a double in one of these areas and a disaster will start. Have the fun of trying to escape it and collect survival chips. Or play strategically a disaster card against your opponent. It's as exciting to be caught in a disaster as it is to cause one. Wow. <laughs> so this was a a very colorful game of killing <laughs> your mom and dad in a skyscraper fire or a plane crash or something like that. And, um, it was a pretty simple game it was basically just moving your, your dudes around the board and, um, and each area of the board was, was one of these four disaster areas. So you tried not to actually get caught in the actual disaster itself and you'd, you'd gather up chips as you played, but the whole idea, and I think this was a very much a coming out of the seventies into the eighties, the whole disaster movie thing, kind of capitalizing on that, um, But yeah, it was just a fun little thing to play and the player tokens in this game are absolutely awesome and I'm going to have to get (laughs) out to camp this year and bring this game home and play it with my, my boys because like these are some quality, we would call them meeple now, your player pieces. They're molded plastic, but they're these weird nerd... I don't know what they are. They've got, like, a terrible haircut, and they've got these thick glasses, thick round glasses molded onto the front of their stupid grinning faces. <laughs> yeah, they, they, like, they look a little bit like Muppets. and A little like Muppets, a little bit like Simon from the Land of Chalk Drawings, perhaps?
1: Yeah, and... They even look like, oh, who are those? Why can't I think of those yellow guys? The Uh,
0: minions. They totally look like
1: minions. Yeah. They look kind of like minions and. Yeah. So it's weird that why,
0: why don't they look
1: more human? Why do they look.
0: Why did they put so much, I don't know, energy into making these, the player pieces look like this when everything else is just flat cardboard and like. Every other game of the era, it seemed like, was either just using generic pieces or little folded pieces of cardboard that would snap into a base or something like this. So yeah, like I I both loved and was repulsed by the characters (laughs) in the game at the same time. And I think that those character pieces had a lot to do with my enjoyment of the game as well.
1: A Parker Brothers do-it-yourself catastrophe game do-it-yourself.
0: Do-it-yourself catastrophe. And as I was looking this up this afternoon, I think that this is a Canadian only game. I have not seen it being released in in the States or in the UK or anything like that. So I think that this was a Parker Brothers game that was made just for Canada. And I've read, and I, I can't wait to check out my board game this summer, my copy of it that's out at camp, to find out if all the disaster cards are bilingual as well. But uh, some of the things that I I was reading today was, yeah, like you can learn French from this too, because all the cards are in English and French at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this is reminding me how these Parker Brothers games would all have the same box, and they would have that colorful art on the front cover, Mm -hmm. and the backside would be black and white, but it would be just as appealing because it would show very clearly the board game, the yeah. p- all the pieces involved. It would just be, I don't know, there, there's something to me that's very appealing about seeing sure. it all laid out. Uh, so you know exactly what you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, I can see that the cards all have French and English on them, or at least most of them do. Yeah. So yeah, that would be something else if this really was a a Canadian only and bilingual only, yeah. Game,
0: yeah. Cool, yeah. So there you go. Disaster, my first fun memory.
1: You gotta say it in French too. Disaster. Yeah, disaster, or désastre. Disaster.
0: <laughs> disaster.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it's the bilingual Canadian version.
0: What else do you have?
1: Another one that I probably have fondest memories about is called Triominoes. Oh yeah. And so this is another one that's like, is this a board game? Like there's no board, right? There's yeah. only pieces, but yeah, ah, whatever, right? I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like dominoes, but they are triangles instead with numbers mm-hmm. at each of the three points. And you're taking turn, you know, you get a number, everybody gets whatever, six or seven of these triangles each. And then whoever has the highest triple, that is like
0: hmm.
1: maybe, uh, is it six, six, six? I should have looked this up. But anyway, whoever has the highest triple where all three numbers are the same on mm-hmm. each point gets to go first. So that goes down the middle and then you just join on the sides yeah. of the triangles wherever you can matching two numbers. Yeah. Like two so in the three points, of points.
0: Like in dominoes where you would match just the ends that you would just have to find one matching, you would have to find two numbers to match. Yes. Along the side there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so
1: somehow I found this extra appealing Mm -hmm. and I really liked how the shapes would form. Of course, when you put triangles together, they turn into hexagons. If you put six triangles together. And there's a super satisfying feeling if you complete one of those hexagons, because it wasn't always sure. possible the way it worked out. And also sometimes you get these interesting patterns that reminded me kind of like, a uh, an interesting world. You, cause I, what I liked about it, although I guess this is true of Domino's as well, mm-hmm. but that like the games coming in the future, yes with uh, hex pieces and you would kind of build this world as you go the triominoes kind of felt that way too that you yeah. were you were kind of building a level or something and it had numbers connecting mm-hmm. it all so that mm-hmm. was very appealing to my yeah. nerdy mind and and it also has good memories it was i would go down to florida where my grandparents had a trailer like yeah. a, a trailer park <laughs> and, uh, that they would go every winter, the Canadian snowbirds mm-hmm. as they were called. And so that was what we would often play down there in the evening after yeah. the day's activities were, were over. Yeah. So, right uh, yeah, I, I like that one and actually I bought, it, it still seems to be in production. So yeah. I bought myself uh, a new, a new copy of it a few years ago uh, to play with the kids. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there's something about those type of games. It's weird. Like just, oh, it's got numbers on the tiles and you're matching up numbers. It's like, okay, this is like, this is a smart person game. This is like (laughs) somehow a math game or something like that. (laughs) It's just a number. It could be colors. It could be (laughs) shapes on there. You know, it's a matching type thing. Yeah. But yeah, there's something about that, that, just that alone seems to elevate it from like silly disaster games or something like that, that you're just having a laugh and, and joking around with it. You know, it, it adds a, a little bit of seriousness to it, a little bit of, oh, I'm using my brain because there's numbers to it. And, <laughs> yeah. And there's a satisfaction to that as well. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And,
1: uh, yeah. And the one way the numbers did matter instead, just like, yeah, they could be any symbols, although the value of the piece is mm-hmm. assigned. Yeah. So being able to rapidly. Add the three numbers. Yeah. It's just, just enough to keep me kind of entertained or or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and to also be playing out the possibilities when, when you would put five triangles together and you'd be, you know, five sixths of the way to making a full hexagon Mm -hmm. shape, being able to figure out, is that missing piece actually a valid triangle that's still out there? yeah uh that was also fun. I guess it's a game where a lot of the time in board games, I am bored b o r e d and when with, it's
0: not your turn
1: yeah so with with this game, there was always a little bit to do to think about, yeah that I liked,
0: yeah, well, do you remember? When like we were in university and we would go, we would go on retreats with the Christian fellowship club at the university. And there was all, somebody would always bring Boggle along. Do you remember playing a bunch of Boggle when we were in university?
1: Boggle sounds familiar. So So Boggle. Is that like the Scrabble, but you
0: roll the dice? Kind of, you have like this box with a grid in it yeah, and a plastic lid and a bunch of dice cubes with letters on it. You shake it all up and you let them fall into the grid. And it's it's almost kind of like, in some ways it's kind of like looking through a crossword or a word search to find words in there, except you can go left, right, diagonal. You can make your words go all over the
1: place. Yeah, as long as the letters are somehow adjacent to each other. Yes, that's right. They can curve all over and...
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, really enjoyed boggle when I was in university for some reason we had We had like master boggle, which was a bigger board and at one point me and my our buddy kevin uh we were making up our own supermassive thing <laughs> with modified rules, and we called it scroggles Scroggle. <laughs> like we were, we were big into boggle. At one point, but back in the early eighties, when I was a kid and I was playing board games out at camp with mom and dad on the rainy days, we had this game called per quacky. And it's kind of like the predecessor to boggle. And this is another one of those, not a board game, board games yeah. <laughs> that we've been talking about. <laughs> so if you can imagine how boggle works, get rid of the board altogether, shake up these cubes with letters on it in a cup dump it out on the table, and you just make words out of it. So this is just a dump out the cubes. There's your letters. Make as many short words as you can out of it. And there's a little timer, and you just have have fun with doing that. Part of the strategy of looking for words of different lengths would be you're only allowed to get, like, say you could only get, like, three three-letter words, and you would only be allowed to, to write down four four-letter words and then five five-letter words for mm, example. Yeah. So it's not like you could just sit there and go. All the two can't letter think of words. Any three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't just go eight T of, uh, <laughs> I can't think of any words. There's three <laughs> words, eight T and what's the other one that use the same three letters, T E A A T E and eat. Eight, eat, eat and yeah. tea. <laughs> there. Yes. So there you go. That's, that's it. You can't have any more three-letter words. So you can't just gobble up all the cheap little words. Yeah. But you have to kind of extend. And every time you fill up your column of three three-letter words, you get like a bonus. And four four-letter words, you get a bonus and stuff like that. So that was, that was a fun game, kind of the predecessor to Boggle that, uh, that I played um, in the 80s. And as I was thinking about it today, could you actually spell the word perquacky? with the cubes that rolled out of the cup. Now, that would be interesting. I have no idea why they called the game Perquacky. Yeah. And it was just this this funny little game made by this no-name game company. I think it was called Lakeside Games or something like that. Yeah, just this silly little odd game. (laughs) Word dice game. And it might even have been another weird Canadian game. Maybe that's why we had it. Oh, okay but I'm not sure. Yeah. Not certain about that one.
1: So uh, another not quite bored game that I really liked was Yahtzee. Oh yeah. And so I, I guess I didn't realize at the time that it's kind of like a card game simplified down to dice, isn't it? Because
0: you... I think so, yeah. Yeah, like
1: you you roll the dice and then you are looking for all the certain kind of combinations you can choose to like hold or roll again. So to me, it's just basically the same as poker. It's
0: very similar to poker. But
1: yeah. But something again about just it being kind of pure numbers, having the Mm -hmm. cup, having the score, I can't call a score card, but a score, whatever. There's that pad of paper. Yeah. 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 So that was kind of fun. That sits actually a lot with your per quacky, and boggle kind of games yeah, sure. where the dice become the board yeah. sort of
0: yeah i know what you mean
1: yeah i'm i'm kind of stretching it there but in a way it's like yeah that's well especially with boggle the dice yeah. become the board this is the in game surface yeah, kind of yeah that's that's where you're looking and so some of those other games i kind of view as predecessors to it like mm-hmm. like boggle and
0: triominoes sort of yeah yeah i'm i'm sensing a theme here with you and i we like board (laughs) games that don't involve a board (laughs) that aren't really a board in the traditional way yes
1: yeah because i was just about to mention and i just want to give a quick mention of crokinole
0: yes what do you call that that is a it's the closest you can get to playing a sport yes. inside. I was going to say it's a miniature. Mini- it is kind of like sport. It's like what mini putt is to golf. Crokinole might be to hockey or basketball or, or something like curling. that. Curling. Yeah. It's yeah. it's Yeah. That's right. Curling. That's good. Yeah. Do you know
1: if Crokinole's known around the world or is it? It is a,
0: it's a Canadian invention.
1: Oh, is it?
0: Yeah. And um it's yeah, it's, oh, it it's is. still yeah, it's still pretty popular and and, and played. We play Crokinole. we have a crokinole tournament every Christmas um at my in-laws place. We didn't this year. But uh we we brought the crokinole bowl board over here and, and we were playing some crokinole with the boys. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we should mention it then because if it is such a Canadian thing, we yeah. should we should tell our listeners. Let's explain this game. Okay, you got a circular game board, maybe like a yard or a meter wide yep. it's a it's a yep. good size board,
0: yeah now are your boards normally octagon shaped with the circle inside of it,
1: or is it hexagon shaped
0: is it octagon oh, it might even be hec- it might be hexagon shaped yeah, I think it's octagon because we play doubles often, and so yeah, I think it's octagon, but regardless yes, board.
1: Yeah. So yeah, the outer edge of the board may be a octagon or hexagon. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they are just round though.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And then there is a recessed area around the outer perimeter of the board where- Like a gully or a moat? Yeah, like a gully or a moat. And then there is a- That's what I said, a recessed perimeter. A recessed perimeter. (laughs) That is a (laughs) moat. Then on the raised flat surface is a circular kind of crease, an outer
0: play Yeah, the play area. Oh, kinda is like a soccer.
1: Kind of like soccer in a way, but not round or not rectangle. No. But it's kinda like imagine everything is a kickoff in soccer. Yeah. So you're right at the boundary edge. at the edge. In the middle is a depression, a circular hole, kinda like golf. Yeah. And there are studs on the playfield. I thought it was like six of them, but is it eight?
0: I think it might be eight. One, two, three. So, it is eight. So if you imagine basically a circular game board and you've got these little wooden discs, kind of like if you're playing backgammon or something yeah. like that, similar to that. And imagine you just like put it on the edge of the disc and you used your finger or your thumb yes, or your middle finger just to flick it into the little depression in the center. Except there's two things that get in your way. There's these little pegs that are about maybe two thirds of the way into the, to the board.
1: They're guarding the middle of the board.
0: So you've got to get them between these pegs. It's not that hard. You know, once, once you kind of figure out the thing, you can do that. But there's also the other player's little discs. And when there's another player's disc is on the board, you have to touch that other player's disc with your disc before you ricochet into the center, depression.
1: Yeah. So in that way, it's just like curling. Of course we're using curling, but maybe lots of. Because everybody knows curling (laughs) But what else? Kind of like shuffleboard or something, Mm -hmm. right? Except, except you're all sitting around the board, which is a lot more convenient when you're sitting Mm. at the family table, like at the dinner table. Yeah. So yeah, we would often play it after. You know, the extended family is over. We just Mm -hmm. had Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. Uh, Then the Crokinole board comes out after. Yeah. And the other neat things about this game are that it's like, it's kind of a painful game to play well. Yeah. Because you're, do you ever, do you ever experience
0: pain playing Crokinole? Well, not too much, but you can. Oh yeah. Like if if you're giving it a real good flick and you're flicking these wooden discs.
1: Yeah. You're flicking them and you just hit with your fingernail. Now it's not, it's not like brutal the first time, but if, (laughs) but if you're playing a long game and it's a very competitive game and that middle area is getting all crowded up and you want to knock some, knock some discs out of there, you're flicking like as hard as you can. Yeah. And uh, it's it's pretty good. I, li- I like yeah. every once in a while you can shoot one right off the board and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, catch somebody in the eye or <laughs> <laughs> drop it in their drink or whatever. What That's I, right. What I'm saying is that yeah. this game is is not as pedestrian as it oh, may no. seem.
0: I have a question to ask you. Yeah. When you play Crokinole, if you get your disc in the center depression. Yeah. And it's on edge. Oh, yeah. Do you get bonus points for that?
1: No, I've never played bonus points for that. We
0: we score, you get bonus points <laughs> if it's on edge.
1: <laughs> cool. So apparently, yep. apparently uh Eckerd Wetlefer Wet wetlefer, whatever you say his name, created that game back in the okay. 18, back in the
0: eighteen hundreds. In Manitoba, maybe?
1: Oh probably or St. Catharines no, area. Yeah, in St. Cat yeah, in Ontario. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Crokinole's a lot of fun. Yeah. I like that a lot.
1: Some people play it with cue sticks. Have you ever seen that? I
0: I remember reading about this. Yes. Yeah. Like that's... Okay, so that so it kind of turns into shuffleboard or pool, but no, no, you can't use cue sticks. You got to use your flick. And do you play that you have to you put your chair down at the beginning of the game? Yeah. Huh? And you have to be you have to have your butt in your seat oh. when you flick? No. Oh yeah, when we play, it's like, you can't get up and like, you know, you get your, put your bum yeah. in your chair
1: <laughs> and you can't no shuffle, standing up. shuffle that's your right. chair around. Can't,
0: no, that's where you chose to play from. <laughs> that's where you play from. Yeah. No. Go ahead and try to make that shot.
1: Yeah. No, no.
0: Uh, we don't have that. We're, you're allowed to
1: get up off your chair and swing your bottom side <laughs> as long as far as the players around you will allow yeah. uh-huh. so so you know you got you got granny on one side of you and you got auntie on the other yeah. as much as you can shove up against them to yeah. to widen your angle of attack that's what's allowed
0: well you're you're very generous well of players, well
1: though. but everybody gets the same you know it's the yeah. same role for everybody yeah, Yeah, and you can kind of restrict the player a yeah. bit more, you know, stick an elbow.
0: <laughs> well, because that um, also like really makes things like a real left-handed, right-handed kind of, yeah. like you can have matchups that that would actually really matter too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> good <laughs> stuff. Okay, now this is not a 80s game, but I'm going to mention it really quickly because when you were talking about Um, triominoes, and you mentioned that it kind of had that futuristic almost appeal to it. I was remembering a game that I used to play with my friend, Andrew, who I worked with at the pool. And we played this game, he had it, and it was actually came out in 91. And it was featured on Star Trek, the next generation, it was called Terrace. And it was a, um, I think it was an eight by eight board. And you had like your little pieces on it, like you started in, but instead of like one side to the other side, you you had it diagonal. So each player was was sitting at a corner of the board and then oh, the other player was at the corner like across. A, like a
1: chess board, but you're playing it diagonally.
0: Yes. And the game is called Terrace because the corner closest to you is actually stepped up eight steps higher and they kind of go down as you go down to the middle of the board and then they terrace back up as they Aww. get to the opponent's corner of the board and so you have your little guys and you can jump down on top of people but you can't necessarily jump up and that was a, that was a game that we played a little bit and it was cool because it was on star trek the next generation it was this futuristic kind of thing and so i just remembered that when you were talking about Triominoes, this terrace board game that I enjoyed playing in the early '90s—that doesn't really count as grown-up '80s. <laughs> yeah, I got two more things to talk about. One okay. of them, I think,
1: we gotta talk about Risk. Sure, because wasn't for a while? Wasn't that the game? Oh yeah, everywhere. Like,
0: well, yeah, like there was a number of us who really got into Risk for a few years, and. There was one particular friendship that was kind of (laughs) a game of risk. I didn't talk to Dave. Dave didn't talk to me for a year or two. There's some hard feelings. And yeah, me and Dave and our friend Kevin used to play that a lot but everyone played that a lot and then there was another kind of war game that we were into playing for a while called Diplomacy but again this is like the early 90s so it doesn't really count for the podcast but yeah a lot of feelings were hurt playing Diplomacy as well because that game was really all about (laughs) (laughs) deceiving and lying and backstabbing people
1: yeah and a lot of people just couldn't leave that at the board game, eh? At yeah, the game, yeah. like it—it it carried over into.
0: No, no, this, this, you're, you're, you're a bad person. You're a lie. No, we're playing the game. This is all part of the game. Think of me as, you know, the Norwegians, those lying, backstabbing Norwegians.
1: <laughs> yeah. So back to Risk, though, because we were playing that in yeah, the '80s. We were, yeah, yeah, for a while. I guess it it was just why why did we love it so much? Like it seemed like a very grown up game. It did at the yeah, time, for right? Sure. It seemed complicated. It seemed like there was a lot to it, yep.
0: but it was approachable. Yeah, I remember playing Risk at in like the high school cafeteria. Yeah, with like some of our headbanger friends.
1: Yeah, yeah, we yeah would, we would play it at school. And I remember a period of time where it seemed like we would go during the summer to mm-hmm. another school to play it. Does this sound familiar to you? I oh. like I don't know why, but it's like we would go, you know, the schools up around like Redwood, like up up Northmore, like Edward Oh yeah. Edward. Like
0: Sherbrooke and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe. Or um huh. I don't recall this. You don't
1: remember this.
0: Okay. No. I don't know
1: why. Like, I almost imagine maybe Ron got sent off to some club thing every day. Yeah. He was in the
0: chess club. He was in the risk club. (laughs) The risk club. But like, almost like. Probably was playing backgammon on the (laughs) side. To keep him busy
1: for, uh... yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know why. I'm thinking of this, but it'd be like, oh, I know there's a game of, a big game of risk going on at the school. (laughs) (laughs) Better drop by, see how it's going.
0: I don't know that.
1: (laughs) Okay. So yeah, for risk, it seemed really fun. Like, you know, you're controlling the world and there's, you got your friends around and you're either teaming up with some or betraying others.
0: Mm
1: But. You allude to this right at the very beginning, that it's got a fatal flaw, risk, that the game can go super long, but certain players can get (laughs) kicked out. You know, everybody could team up on one guy and just blow him right out of the game in the first half hour. Yeah. (laughs) And then the rest of his buddies are playing for hours after. Yeah. They're the loser.
0: Sorry, buddy. You don't get to play anymore. (laughs) But you can't go home because we're all playing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now you got nothing to do but sit here and think about how you lost.
0: Yep. <laughs> Boo. Did you know that Trivial Pursuit was released in 1981, and it was invented in Montreal, Canada. Wow. Yes. Did you play yourself some Trivial Pursuit in the 80s? Oh yeah, for sure. It was everywhere, eh? Yeah. Yeah, and and it was. Yeah, it was one of those kind of games that uh, that my aunts would play. You know, they yeah. were they were into the adult trivia pursuit, so it was kind of like a little bit of a another one of those air quotes adult games. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of those g- games for grownups, but but kids could play it as well.
1: Yeah, that was so, that was a real phenomenon. And I wonder, Mm -hmm. did it take over Canada before it took over the U.S. and the world, or?
0: I don't, I don't think so. Like maybe it had a slight head start, but I don't think that it was like a big Canadian thing for a year or two before it went everywhere else. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I remember it was such a phenomenon that, yeah, even like my parents cared about it. My mom would talk about it. With she would play it with her friends, yeah, and that wasn't something that I'd ever known to happen before. It's not like, oh, my mom would go play games, board games (laughs) Mm -hmm. with with her friends, yeah, but it caught on so big that, uh, yeah, and I guess everybody was playing it, yeah, and I kind of liked it, especially when they started branching off into you know areas that I was better at. Yeah or, yeah. or, I mean, even the original game, right? It had the different topics. Yeah. So there would be ones I would know almost nothing about, and there were other ones that I was pretty good at.
0: Yeah. Like as like as a 10-year-old kid, we would know nothing about arts and leisure. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe we would know a little bit about history and maybe we could fare all right in geography. Sports? No, nah, we're not going to do anything with sports. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's some some categories that just either we weren't interested in or we were just too young to know because it seemed like you had to be of a certain generation to, the questions were written for the adults of the days, right? So the yeah. kids wouldn't know.
1: Yeah, so it was a game where, yeah, that was horribly unbalanced in certain people's favor, right?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. I had one last game that I wanted to talk about briefly as as. Uh, memories of the 80s and playing games and our buddy ron had this game called polyconomy yeah and we played polyconomy at ron's house quite a bit for a few years and i remember even coming back in in university we would we would say you know what we should play a game of polyconomy and and we would play polyconomy and i don't think that our american listeners would be familiar with polyconomy um Paul Economy was actually, I think, created in New Zealand. Yeah. But it seemed to be this game that was out there in the Commonwealth countries. Like there's a a UK version of it. There's an Australia version of it. There's a South African version of it. There's a Canadian version of it. And it's kind of like if you had Monopoly if like think of monopoly, but instead of just having like the outer edge of the board to go around, there was also an inner circle and you could go clockwise or counterclockwise. You could go whatever direction you wanted to go on the board. It's kind of like monopoly in that way you're going around and you're collecting properties on this board, except they're not properties, they're companies. And in addition to being like the well not in 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 the monopoly case the real estate magnet and in poly economy being the business magnet in addition to that part of the game there is also the government part of the game you form a government and there are elections and there are election cycles and stuff in this game (laughs) as as well yeah and so yeah poly economy we used to play with with ron and we would have a good good old time with that and uh yeah, it was always like, you would never be able to form a government on your own. So you'd always kind of have to team up with somebody or somebody else in the, in playing the game to kind of prop up your government before you had a vote of non-confidence and it went <laughs> around to someone else. And it's like, oh man, I, ha- I had the tax rate up way too high because that was another part of the game. There's a, there's a tax rate and, and, or it was way too low and I didn't make enough money and this, that, and the other thing. And yeah, Paul economy was a really neat, it was like monopoly with that whole government governing area thrown into it, and also like taking you off the rails of just going clockwise and rolling the dice and going clockwise around and around the board, giving you more agency. Yeah, really game.
1: It was invented by Bruce Hatherly, mm-hmm. a New Zealander. Who, yes, they first actually made the Australian edition, then the New, okay, then the New Zealand edition and then Hatherley contacted Canadian I'm just reading Wikipedia here Hath- okay. Hatherly contacted Canadian think tank the Fraser Institute to help yes. to help introduce the game to Canada in 1983 yeah. an employee of the institute sold the first squares in the game as advertising and the rest were sold by stockbrokers and it raised more than a million dollars by the institute Oh yeah, and Paul Economy was credited with helping the institute survive the recession that was going on in huh. the early '80s. There,
0: yeah. So well, that's that, that's interesting. It's kind of funny, yeah. Yeah, because and I remember now that the Fraser Institute was one of the spaces on the board. <laughs> yeah, you could own the Fraser Institute.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I remember. I think I played with you guys a couple times, but somehow. I ducked out of most of those games. I, oh, okay. Yeah, like I remember you guys playing it a lot, and I remember joining in a couple yeah. times. But for some reason, that was something that you guys did when Robin wasn't around.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Primarily, Maybe Robin just didn't like it that much. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It, I I liked it too because like it had like all these like it was. Not only was it, you know, the game of Canada, there was all these like Canadian companies on the board, like real (laughs) Canadian companies or places that were in Canada, but like CPR had a place. Bombardier had a square on the board, Allied Movers, Molson Beer, the Edmonton Oilers were on the board. You know, it was, it was neat. Yeah. All these things that you knew.
1: So I guess all those outfits paid. Yeah. Paid big money to be included on this game. It's like.
0: I guess so, It's yeah. going to be the
1: Canadian Monopoly. You got to be on here to be famous. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Buy some history. That's
0: pretty cool. It's <laughs> <That's> pretty cool.
1: <laughs> okay. So the last topic. Mm-hmm. Video game board games.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Sure.
1: And we'll just talk about a few of them, but the. The one that stands out to me is Pac-Man. Yeah. Do you remember this? Did you
0: have, pa- I yeah. remember
1: it. Did you have it? Yeah, I did. And it's the weirdest thing. I remember buying it at mm-hmm. a store. I think we might be in like St. Catharines or somewhere down Southern Ontario on a trip yep. and seeing the Pac-Man board game, convincing yeah. my parents to buy it or to even let me buy it, maybe with my own money for Oh, I don't know. I'm guessing like 10 bucks or something. Yeah. And then, which was kind of big money in whatever, 1982 or three or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and then playing it when we were visiting some of my parents' friends and yeah. And so it was like a, a actual board game and you covered the board with marbles. It had little indentations. So the Pac-Man maze was a game board with marbles all over it. And then you had mm-hmm. these pretty big plastic Pac-Mans yeah. in, I think, four different colors. And that was the player. And there'd be a little hole up in the bottom of the Pac-Man so yeah. you could move the Pac-Man around the maze and pop each marble up its bottom end but- there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That was Pac-Man eating the marble. Yeah, and and I guess the goal was to collect as many marbles as you could. The weird sure. thing is, I don't remember getting to keep the game. It's almost like, did oh. did my mom did it annoy her? Maybe the marbles went spilled everywhere. Did I? Hmm. Did me and my sister fight over it right away as soon as we bought it? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that a store would let my mom return an open board game. Yeah, but my mom has some pretty serious negotiating skills at at the store. Okay. Yeah. So maybe she did like maybe uh, the funny thing is I can kind of remember having it and then shortly after not having it. So how and why did it disappear? I have the feeling maybe we really annoyed my mother. I I really, maybe I really stepped over some line there and I
0: don't
1: think I usually behave poorly, but maybe that time I did.
0: Something could have happened. Yeah. So do you remember it somehow? I remember it. I don't, I don't know if maybe I just remember it from the commercials and stuff like that. Thinking that, oh yeah, watching that Pac-Man hop around the board, gobbling up, (laughs) bouncing onto and.
1: Suppository.
0: (laughs) Yes. All the, all the dots. That looks like a fun game to play. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh I do have a copy of it again now that I picked up hmm. used. Uh I don't yep. know if I've ever tried to play it though, and hmm. it may be missing some pieces like right. a lot of the used <laughs> board games I end up with. Sure. Are. Sure. But yeah, I do have it. Uh my friend Alex gave me a few different board games, I think. Oh yeah. I think I have like a Dragon Slayer one now. Or actually Ooh. I'm I'm sure I have a Dragon Slayer one, but I don't think I actually played it yet. Yeah. Uh, and basically whenever I'd be at a store and I'd see at, at, at the thrift shop and mm-hmm. I'd see a video game, board game, I would just buy it. Yeah. So I've got Berserk as right well, on. I think. Yeah. So yeah, the the Pac-Man board game on the game box. Yeah. As much fun as the action-packed arcade game of the same name. As much fun.
0: You think so, eh? Okay.
1: <laughs> so yeah, there was also Centipede, Donkey Kong, yeah, Cubert, Zaxon. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I can I can vaguely recall there being a Zaxon board game, but I I don't remember anything about it. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's like a hex based board game. Oh and yeah, you actually have cool little Zaxon ships. Yeah. You move around and it has the boss Zaxxon yeah. uh, ship and then it has various little towers and walls. Sure. So it's got a little bit of a a 3D feel to it. Neat. Yeah. So they were always kind of disappointing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And especially like, I think I wanted that Pac-Man game because in 1980. Or whatever 1980, I think it was probably 1982. Mm-hmm. We've talked before about how I didn't have my own computer yet, and mm-hmm. I had a few handheld video games, but yeah, you know, I was Pac Man obsessed, but I didn't have I couldn't play Pac Man at home, yeah, so I'd think, oh, I really want the board game that that'll be as fun. That'll make up for my lack of Pac-Man at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, not really. Did did you ever play any
0: of those? I don't think that I did. I, um yeah, no. I don't think that I did. I didn't have any.
1: Yeah, the the most appealing thing about them to me was just the fact that here's this big Milton Bradley board game with that yeah. colorful art. And here yeah. would be like the big words, centipede, Pac-Man yeah. Yeah. and the artwork. And I'd be like, I want that.
0: Of course I do. I love that <laughs> yeah. game. I want to bring it home <laughs> in board game form.
1: Based on the action-packed arcade game
0: by Atari. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> those, those are my eighties board game memories.
0: Yeah. Good about- stuff.
1: Well. Do we cover everything for you?
0: I think so, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you listeners for joining us on Growing Up 80s. And if you want to share any of your memories of board games, good or bad, with us, you can do that on Twitter. I'm at Darren Folds, and you can find Robin. At 8-Bit Show & Tell. We have a podcast Twitter account. It's at GUp80s, and we try to check that every once in a while, too. And we also have a Patreon.
1: For any amount per month, get to hear our exclusive podcast.
0: That's right. Yes, we put up a bonus podcast every month on our Patreon page for anybody to listen to for free, but we do have the exclusive patron-only podcast. So
1: that's three a month. The main one you're listening to now...
0: The bonus one, which we call the mailbag chinwag, where we talk about all the correspondence and the comments and stuff that we get from our listeners Yeah, and our exclusive patron only one. So let's thank our, our patrons right now. Yes. Thanks go out to Jake and Rob and Ian for being 8-bit backers. And then our other just a bit backers, our two... Apogee79, Michael, Ian, Chris, and MV. Thank you to all of you for giving us the incentive we need to create our podcast every month. We appreciate it. Yes. Don't forget, if you enjoy this podcast, to share it with your friends and Check out our YouTube channel because we occasionally put video content up there as well.
1: Yeah, we should do something new there.
0: Yeah, well, we're looking forward to getting together. Maybe next month we can get together and play some winter games before winter is gone in (laughs) Thunder Bay completely. Yeah, it might happen. And if it goes, maybe we'll have to play like world games or summer games too or something. Spring games. Spring games, that's right. Anyway... Thank you for listening to Grown Up 80s for Robin Harbin. I am Darren Folds. Good night. Good
1: night.